Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Manchester. Your Manchester is powered by Talk Talk's Future Fibre, which has now arrived here in Manchester. Future Fibre broadband is ultra-fast and ultra-reliable, and with speeds of up to a whopping 900 megabits, it's fast enough to handle anything you can throw at it. Plus, you can connect up to 75 devices at once, so bye-bye fighting over the Wi-Fi. As if it couldn't get any better, Future Fibre plans now come with an Amazon Aero Mesh router, so you can get the latest in Wi-Fi 6 technology for free. To see if your postcode can get Future Fibre, search Talk Talk Future Fibre now. Well, a very good evening to each and every one of you joining myself and... Miranda McCaffrey. How are you, Flo? I'm good, how are you? You've been away for a while. Do you know what? I actually find it really sweet and endearing that you, like, had me here, sat on the little thing as a little picture. Oh, you're always here, Flower. Always here in yeah. thought, mind, and, and deed, and, and everything else that I tend to do. <laughs> I believe that. Yes. I would well believe that. It, it's, it's all there. We've got a marvellous show tonight. We have. We've got so many guests on. We've got so, Who have we got on the show today, please, Brandon? We've got Stephen Webb from the horror, horror, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, this is your accent. You've been away it too is. long. I've been away too long. I've lost myself. Mm. Go on, who else is on? We've also got <laughs> the fabulous Sue Pollard. Oh, we have. We'll tell you a bit about that in a bit, everybody. She's coming on in just a second. And uh, you've been talking to a choreographer. Yes, I've also been talking to uh, Carlos Ponsguera. I hope I've said that right again. I uh, like yeah. it. Sounds like a character from Les Mis, don't you think? As legends go, our next guest is right up there. Her name is Sue Pollard, and she's about to embark on something, well, what most of us was class as scary. Welcome to the show, Sue. How are you? I'm absolutely fabulous, thank you. And by the looks of you, you are both fabulous yourselves. So we're just having a nice time. Lovely. So you're uh, rehearsing at the moment for your one-woman extravaganza. Perhaps just tell us a little bit, uh, a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it's in two parts. Second half is, um, it's like a question and answer type thing. The first mm-hmm. half is what I call a cornucopia of pleasure, which it roughly translated is telling a few anecdotes, songs, uh, just having a general chat with people, throwing, you know, throwing this remark in, throwing that remark in, and just basically something, hopefully, for everyone of all ages. So I'm looking forward to it. We're having a lot of fun already. It sounds great. Obviously, you know, you've been doing this for so long. Now, what made you want to come back and do a show like this? Well, you see, I should be dead if I soon. I mean, let's face it, darlings, I'm never going to see 28. And one realises that. And I just suddenly thought to myself, you know, how nice it would be because I've done so many pantos and so many, which I've been fortunate enough to do. And then you think, you know, I think it's time for a change and to move on a bit. And I really enjoyed this play that I did um, just um, last year. And I thought, you know, I really like doing stuff now that doesn't, you know, entail having a big cast. So that's one of the reasons. And also I just wanted a different challenge. So all the ingredients put together with a bit of luck will have um, the ultimate um, challenge of bringing as much entertainment as I can to people, basically, to come out to come out and put a nice frock on again. And just like you've got with the fabulous Raya. Wow. Very good. Of course, the, the biggest challenge is the fact that you're going to be on that stage all on your own. How does that make you feel when you realise you've worked with such major cast before and now you're you're out there on your own? Well, I think basically it makes you much more focused, but ideally as well, 
Um, it means that even if something slightly doesn't go to plan, like, oh, hang on a minute, I've, I've slipped to the the, the, the the section that it doesn't come now, it comes in about another 10 minutes, at least the, the audience don't know. They've not seen this before. So in a way, you're probably more in charge, if you like, of how this show um, it progresses. So obviously you think to yourself, oh, crikey, well, all that cue's late, or oh, I'm late. But you just deal with it, don't you, babe? Like, you obviously have to. It's all live, isn't it? That's what makes the world go around. Absolutely. <laughs> and obviously, we knew that through your career, you've done so much. You've done, you've done your, your stage stuff. You've done your comedy. Can we expect to see some singing from the show? Oh, yes, I think we'll have that. And I think I've definitely got to include my greatest hit, as it were. I did say greatest Hit. We're starting <laughs> together. Hey. Well, definitely be I still get asked if I'd like to go to people's weddings, and they say, "Would you mind singing this to Carol and um, Katrina or Bob and Alan?" And I say, "I don't mind. I will sing it to." And they say, "But there isn't much of a fee, but we can send you a, um, a slice of the cake." Oh, so, that's all right. Makes the world go round a slice of cake. And of course, you're now a professional um, cook as well, aren't you? Being on um, Celebrity MasterChef. I can't believe that, dear, because before they've, I've often said, I'm really sorry, but at the moment I'm doing another job, so I can't really fit that in. And I'm so glad I had said that it, because it was lockdown. And I had the time to do it. I said, yeah, you know, I'd like to do it now. And it's a good job I waited, darling, because you have to do so much prep. And they ask you to prepare this. These are the ingredients. This is how long it's got to take. You need to do two dishes. And then sometimes they'll say, there's a, there's a guest coming this week. So you need to do three. I mean, do you wow. know what an induction hobby, dear? Not a clue. In my day, it was gas and that was it. <laughs> and gas these days, you know, refers to something else. Excuse me. But no, and I went, God, what's the induction? <laughs> what's the induction of? I went, oh, God, this is going to be a nightmare. But, you know, the, the, the more you actually were doing it, the more confident you got because you were used to your surroundings. Like, it's almost like your own kitchen. It's all good. And when you said, what's, what's the pinch of this? And you put this, you've got to have so much in it. You really do need, I've discovered, the correct measure because natural fact, you can actually put too little spice in. And indeed, as we know, too much. So do you know what? Things like that are that I've learned. And um, I really enjoyed my time there. Great, Greg's great. So is John. They were all really terrific and extremely helpful. So I'm glad I did it. Amazing. Fantastic. Now, obviously, the show's on, on the 15th of February in Altrincham. Uh, what's one thing you would say that is why we... Words. What's one thing you would say that is a reason that people should come see this show then? They should come and see it because it's got a mixture of everything. There are some surprises. It's not just a plant pot on a table and a chat. It's actually, oh, beautiful slash curtains and colour. But there's another item of prop that we're using that... I won't say what it is because it'd be a bit of a giveaway, but it's um, it's going to certainly be fun. I went, well, I hope it is. We've tried to cover every single thing that people w would appeal to. So just come out, enjoy yourself. Don't be tentative. If you haven't been out for a while, I can understand why, you know, people might go, well, I'm not used to going out now, but put your glad rags on. Come on, have a good time. You'll enjoy it. Lovely. And just before you go, um, we've heard rumours that Heidi High may make a return. Are you going to be part of it if it does? Oh, darling. Now, if it does return, um, 
I wonder if they let my agent know because this is the first, this is the first I've heard. Can you imagine? Oh, poor old Peggy dear. I mean, her voice has gone a bit lower for a start. She'll look about eighty-five. So I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, I think the original cast would just wave along the new cast and wish them well. Do you think if Peggy was still uh, around, she'd still want to be a yellow coat, or do you think she would have made it and made a career out of it by now? No, I, the idea was that when we left Heidi High, we'd say, I wonder what all the characters would be doing now. And David and Jimmy used to say that obviously Gladys was lovely ensconced in Australia, and Peggy would have been the manageress of the Odeon Cinema. Yeah. Stop bringing your popcorn about, you know. <laughs> it sounds like unfortunately. I've loved her with great affection and we've all we've all and we're still great mates. I spoke to Jeff last week actually and Ruth and uh, they're all doing fantastic projects. So the great thing is uh, everyone's happy and that's the main thing in life, isn't it? Wake up breathing and happy, I say. Now, there isn't many shows that can survive and survive and survive. One show that has taken us on a constant journey to Transylvania is the Rocky Horror Show, a.k.a. the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And we are joined by one of the most phenomenal Frankenfurters this world has seen. It's Mr. Stephen Webb. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. That's very kind of you to say. It's been a real privilege to be playing the part. You know, I really. What's your What's your success in it then? Because I mean, there's so many people played Frankenfurter, and let's be honest, there's a few that you think really, and yet your success has just been crazy with it. What is it that you put into it that makes it so successful for you? Um, well, I did my own version. You know, uh, uh, obviously. If- you can't you can't take away Tim Curry's version. He um, he's so I- iconic to the role, and so what I loved about him that he was sexy with the with everyone with the male and female uh, gender, and it was just well, what I loved about it is that he just um, care what he, what people thought of him and everything, and I kind of like that masculinity about him. So. I just put my own version on on it, really, and of course I did. I do a little thing, little bits and pieces of what Tim Curry does, but I try and do my own version, and uh, it seems to be working. You know, I've been doing the job on and off since 2019, and um, when they asked me to do it again, I was like, hands down, I come do it again. It's been the best fun I've ever done. It's definitely not a show for the woke, is it, really? There's so many <laughs> words in there these days that perhaps uh, the average woke person would say not to use. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Um, well, do you know what? I find Rocky Horror is becoming more current in its time in terms of peop- uh, accepting people, whoever whoever you are. And it t- kind of takes your inhibitions out of the door so uh, obviously if people haven't seen the show you know the audience do have a script and they shout out abuse at us a lot of it's rude so i can't really <laughs> say it on camera but i think it's just a release and a lot of people you know um that come to, to see theater it's um and that, this is the only show that i've ever felt that the, the audience are part of it and um uh, me myself come in on each night and actually uh, I just don't know what people are going to say and that's a real privilege and it's quite it's, it's quite honoured to actually be doing a part where I don't know what these people are going to say so uh, you know I'm a little bit on edge but at the same time quite excited 
<laughs> now, for those people that have been hidden under a rock and don't know what the Rocky Horror Show is, could you um, perhaps give us a little bit of um, an outline of the story? Oh, okay, if I can explain it, because it's oh. pretty bonkers. But um, So, uh, the Rocky Horror Show is about two very squeaky clean uh, uh, couple uh, called Brad and Janet that uh, they drive it. It's basically all set in like B movies. So they get stranded in the middle of nowhere and they come across this castle um, and they try and uh, seek refuge there. Anyway, when they end up open, when Riff Raff, who looks a little bit like Igor from uh, uh, Frankenstein, opens the door, greets them in, they end up coming across this um, Dr. Frankenfurter who uh, is creating his new creature. And it's a little bit of a take on of Frank, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, except his is not a monster. His is a beautiful man with uh, muscles, blonde hair, and got a beautiful tan. He kind of brings out their um, pleasures. And uh, then you realize halfway through the show that the, you know, Frankenfurter and Riff Raff and Magenta from another planet called Transylvania. Uh, So they're actually... uh, yeah, it's, it all goes a bit wacky, but at the same time, it's real good fun. <laughs> we, we couldn't let you go today without mentioning the costumes that you wear, because as much as you're doing pure glamour, you are quite revealing within the costumes that you yourself wear, <laughs> never mind Rocky Horror. You, I mean, how, how does that feel for you as, as an actor wearing hardly anything? Well, when I first uh, did the part, um, I put on the wig, and, and obviously my own makeup. I thought I was going to get someone doing my makeup for me. Um, and I thought I was going to look like RuPaul, you know, from Drag Race. And they went, no, no. They said, imagine if you stole your mum's purse and you're putting on your own makeup. So it was all. So when I when I put on the corset and the, the, the tights and the, and the uh, five inch stilettos, I looked at myself in the mirror and I felt like a pig in a blanket. I was like, what do I look like? I've never done anything like it before. And then. I never saw myself. It was like an alter ego. You know, as soon as I put the costume on, I didn't look like Stephen anymore. And um, when I first go out, I wear a big old cloak during Sweet Transvestite and I walk down the front and then I I whip it off and everyone sees me in the get up. And as soon as the crowd went wild for that, my inhibitions went out the window and um, I just felt like the dawn. I was like, this is amazing. This is like, I've never felt so powerful in my life, you know? And I think that's why when people see it and they all dress up, they all dress up in their favorite characters, either it be Riff Raff, you know, Brad, Janet, Frankenfurter, it kind of lets their inhibitions out, out the door. And they, for the next two hours, they can be whoever you want to be. And, um, that's what theatre should be like. It should be an experience, you know, and have a real good party and a real good fun. Now up, we've got Carlos Ponguera. I hope I've said that right. Please welcome him to the show. Hey, hello. Ponds got it. Ponds. Do you know what? Punk. I sat there going, like, I'm going to mess this up in some way, and I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> to be honest, it was a very good mess up. I've heard very weird versions of it, so it's not that bad. <laughs> oh, that's not too bad. As long as I got it then, it's not as bad then. Now, obviously, you're here today to talk to us about your new show, Mariposa, but actually, I want to talk a little bit about you first, because having 
look, look to who you are and the style of thing you do. You've been told that you're you're quite innovative. You're you're very emotional with your style of choreography. See, he's smiling now. He's loving this. You, <laughs> it's it's very interesting stuff. The pictures I've seen of your shows, it's it's quite dynamic. So I just want to know what exactly is your process? How do you come up with the things that you do? Um, well. Uh, at risk of sounding a little bit, um, uh, <laughs> a little giving away, uh, away a bit, a little too much. A lot of it actually comes from a personal place. So I find that to make work, it has to kind of come from somewhere personal. Uh, and then I, you know, and, you know, so I, I always ask myself, who am I? Where am I going? And, uh, you know, something that I realized early on in, in my career was that I'm kind of very gay and also very Spanish. So there's always, <laughs> it's always good to know those things, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is good to find them out. Dance taught me them. Um, uh, so there's always like an element of, uh, you know, of something personal, something personal that's happened and then gets like massively bro- uh, blown out of proportion on stage through very camp <laughs> production value. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think there's something in, in, in me being, uh, I'm from the Canary Islands, which is a, somewhere in between Latin America and, and Europe and Spain. You've got so many different kinds of shows out there. And obviously the show that you're doing now is no different. Your uh, new one is Mariposa, which if I'm right, is Spanish for butterfly? It is, yeah. It is fantastic. See, I'm even a linguist at this. I'm doing amazingly. So from what I've read of the description of this show, it seems very different to what a butterfly is. What is this show? <laughs> it's actually a, a, a version of, of an opera, uh, believe it or not. So it's uh, obviously Madame Butterfly. It's an opera. It's a very famous opera. We all know by uh, Puccini. Uh, also mm-hmm. inspired the musical Miss Saigon, which is one of my favorite musicals. So it's it's an adaptation of, of Madame Butterfly, but basically... What I was doing, Madame Butterfly is a story, in a nutshell, of a, a geisha that falls in love with an American sailor, and then he, mm-hmm. she, they get married, she sacrifices everything for him, and then he goes off back to America. She has a baby, he comes back, but he's married to another woman. So uh, she has to, there's no, no other outcome than to sacrifice her life for her son. Um, not dramatic at all. So I was like, okay, how do I relate to this? I love this story. Uh, so basically, it's an adaptation of this story. Um, and when I brought it to my context, obviously, um, I am not a, an oppressed Japanese woman, as you can see. So, I that, so how do I relate to this? And, and I started thinking about the Caribbean, the Hispanic Caribbean, and that kind of relationship that I have with the West, particularly with Spain. We have a very strong kind of colonial um, relation with Cuba and the Dominican Republic. So I started to translate the story over to, to Cuba. And also, obviously, I, 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 I don't, I'm, I myself, I'm not a, a straight person, a, you know, a heterosexual person. So I tried yes. to bring that into the, <laughs> into the, into a queer context. And it became the story of a, of a male sex worker that falls in love with a Western sailor. And the Western sailor has a bit of a quite troubled uh, sexuality, uh, as, you know, as, as many of the men that we've come across in life. And um, it goes a little bit too far. And the, and the sailor asked uh, Mariposa, who's the, which is the name of the sex worker, to sacrifice his gender for him. And then, right. yes, so that's kind of like where the, well, that's the, that's the synopsis. I don't want to give away any spoilers. Where it comes in. Yes, we, do, we, do, we want people to come see the show, not think you've seen, you've heard everything. I don't need to say it exactly. now. I know what happened in the interview. It's fine. So you, obviously this is where it's all come from. That's what you've dealt with. What kind of styles did you bring into that when it came to you choreographing it then? 
So it's quite a, an interesting one because uh, the, the work has been in development for over six years, just for a different set of circumstances. At the beginning, uh, it, it was quite a classical ballet piece of work. Like most of the dancers were classically trained. Uh, it, 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 it had a lot of like uh, ballet steps in it and, and the music itself was the Puccini. So it, it felt like very, it kind of felt like a, a modern take on a cla on a classical work. Um, but as we were developing the work and considering where it was set and the time that it was set in, you know, Cuba in the 1960s, 1970s, all that ballet didn't make a lot of sense. I have been very fortunate. I had many opportunities to work in the Caribbean over the last couple of five, six years. And I spent a lot of time researching um, Cuban and Dominican folklore. So there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of movie that's inspired by Caribbean dance. Uh, styles, okay. um, you know, the music itself is, there's elements of classical, there's some crazy kind of like Latin percussion, there's salsa, there's a lot of stuff in there. So the, the movement, the styles reflect that. Um, but above all, it's, it's a piece of storytelling. So in a sense, what like the main kind of like thread is sort of like, um, it's like um, physical acting. It's not so much like a physical theater. It's kind of like dance acting. Uh, so I think what matters the most here is the story and, and the characters and their story and how they live through it. Fantastic. That, it, it sounds incredible. So we know you're on at the 16th of January in the library. Thank you very much, Carlos, for coming on the show to talk to us. I hope oh, you've had a fantastic time and I look forward to the show. Well, that's it for today's show. Today's episode of Your Manchester has been powered by Talk Talk Future Fibre, the UK's fastest and most reliable broadband technology, which is now available here in Manchester. To see if your postcode can get Future Fibre, search Talk Talk Future Fibre right now.